welcome back to the Snakes Cast. It's Wednesday, and I have Todd with me once more. Hi. And today we are continuing our discussion on games based in literature. So on Monday we talked about a variety of games based on books, and there are just a couple more that I think deserve to be mentioned because they are spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one of which was one of the first games that came into my head when I thought of this topic, and that's Fury of Dracula. Ah, yes, Fury of Dracula. A fantastic uh, hide-and-seek game, essentially. Yeah, and it's yeah. one of those one-versus-many, um, which is such an interesting concept. I love it. Uh, Letters mm-hmm. from Whitechapel is one of my favourite yeah, uh, games, too. actually. I love it. I haven't had a chance to play Fury of Dracula myself, so go ahead and tell us a little about it. Um, essentially, you play. You can either play as Dracula or the, the hunters who are hunting him down. Uh, mm-hmm. Dracula's movement, much like um, Letters from Whitechapel, is all done secretly, mm-hmm. uh, and occasionally he will pop up. Uh, and and attack you. Uh, think of if you took uh, letters from Whitechapel, and then you gave it the FFG treatment. So you put on a lot of mechanics and a lot of you know ways that you can right. fight each other and, and stuff you can you can build up your character with. Um, it's really neat. Now I played the 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 first FFG edition, which I think is the second, second edition, edition of I the believe. Game. Yeah. yeah, there have been multiple FFG. Just for anyone who doesn't know, is Fantasy Flight Games, uh, who publish a great deal of very in-depth thematic games. This is one of them, mm. and they have published this at least twice. It's now out of publish. Yes, but publishing. It, it it's was out picked of print. up by Wizards of the Coast. No, not Wizards of the Coast. Um, WizKids. Oh, so WizKids is coming out with a new edition. Oh, I didn't know that. That's uh, fantastic. Yeah, I missed in that. A few months, I think. It was because uh, Fantasy Flight. Their relationship with Games Workshop dissolved, and mm-hmm. they, that was how that game was being published. And now yeah. it's obviously shifting on, so that's great because it would be good for people to be able to get at it again. Because yeah. as Dan Legault will tell you very loudly and very fervently, this is an excellent game. Um, <laughs> no teasing there. It's I love yeah. how uh, utterly behind this game he gets, and mm-hmm. I'm desperate to sit down at a table and play it with him at some point. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, this is an excellent game, and I think it's it's there's a lot of theme in it, and it really mm-hmm. digs deep into that Dracula lore. Uh, and kind of pulls a lot out of it that's really, really cool gameplay-wise. It does, it does. And another one is Robinson Crusoe. Uh, This is a game that we talked about back in December. Uh, Mm -hmm. We did a game spotlight on it, and this is phenomenal. I love it to bits. Uh, Is this something you've played? I haven't had a chance to play it. I know a bit about it, but... It's a brutal co-op game. Right. It's Ignacy Trevacek, which... For anyone who knows that name, will tell you everything you need to know. Uh, he is—he designs games that are evil and absolutely smash you into the ground, mm-hmm. and this is no exception. But it's a really interesting game where you are trapped on a desert island, and the, you know the or the desert island from the book, I should say, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, and that's only really true in the first scenario. The sixth scenario is, if I remember rightly, that come with the base game, and the first scenario is basically cast away. Yeah, you've been cast away on the island, and you're trying to survive and build up a fire so that you can be rescued right. eventually. Right. But if you're playing solitaire, um, or I think with two people, you have Friday helping you. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing solitaire, you also have a dog who helps you as well. And it's all about exploring this island and you're trying to build up shelter against the weather and go hunting for food. But everything comes with a risk. And you have each of your characters has two player pawns. And if you play both of them at once, you succeed in that action. It goes ahead, that's great. But you're now only doing one thing instead of two. But if you do two different things, you have to draw a card or roll dice that may make you be hurt, may make mm. an adventure happen on the way, which is almost always a bad thing. <laughs> um, it's a really tough game, but it's excellent. And the storytelling in it kind of comes out of what you do, like what you discover, because you, right. you build the island as you explore. Uh, and so you move inland and you find a a waterfall so you find new shelter almost straight away and a source of 
this resource which will allow you to do a certain thing like once you find the hills you can build certain tools that you have available to you in the game that will make you better in some way things like that but there's a lot to do Mm -hmm. uh, and I could go on for a long time explaining it but I would just say go back to our episodes from last uh, December 2017 and have a listen to those and and you'll get a good feel for the game yeah it feels like from what I've heard it's an extremely thematic uh, game for sure, and that reminds me of the the wonderful solo game by Friedman Fries, Friday. Right, this is true. Yeah. I had forgotten about that one to be honest. Um, it's one I'm not personally a huge fan of, despite being oh no the big solitaire gamer of snakes <laughs> and lattes. I just never took to it. Okay. Um, my copy's actually still in the UK. I never shipped it over, and it's something I need to give a few more cracks of the whip at, because yeah. I think I would enjoy it once I get into it. It's extremely challenging. It is. It's a very difficult game to win. And you know what I think it was as well? I got into I got that when I... Because I, I started out pretty much in solitaire gaming, mm-hmm. and I think I got into that when I wasn't familiar with gaming yet and may not have known how best to play it. Right. So I think right. I need to try it again with, with newfound knowledge. Another one that we should mention, or another compendium one should mention, is the works of H.P. Lovecraft. There are so many games. Oh my goodness. We could go on forever, and so many of them are so bad. Yes. And there's a select few, and it's actually it's more than a few, it's a good number, that are superb. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say go back to our episode from July 2017, beginning of July. We cover Lovecraft in depth there, and that is, they're excellent games. If you, if you like his literature, there are some really good games that can get you into board gaming really hard both in terms of how hard you hit the hobby and in terms of how hard the game will hit you back. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Ligo is a huge fan of the new um, uh, uh, LCG that Fantasy Flight does. For oh, it's superb. It is superb. I've, I've only... heard it's very story-oriented. So it's, it's huge. It's one of the most story-oriented games I've, story-oriented games I've played, I think. Um, I've only played the base set. He's, mm-hmm. got, he's gone into it deep like he has so many of the expansions and what he's been telling me about it from what I under you you learn in the base set how the game is going to treat you minor minor spoiler for anyone who's going to play this it's not really a big deal but at the end of the first scenario you may or may not burn your house down and it's not really up to you it's up to your actions but it's based on how well you do in that scenario whether the house is still standing or not and in the beginning of the next scenario if you didn't burn it down you start there and move out from there. And if you mm-hmm. did, that tile or that the card that forms that part of the board isn't in the game because you burnt <laughs> it down. So you start somewhere else and there's a, a card that just is, is not there. And that's the smallest idea of how this game treats you. But it, as you go through scenarios, it shifts things around and your expectations of how you play will just suddenly change. And I love that. It's really cool. Dan was telling me about in a scenario in a train where everything is linear and you kind of essentially have to go through the carriages, I think. Oh, if amazing. I remember, he was a while ago, but it just sounded really cool. But yeah, that's if, you, if you're in for a story-based game based in stories, mm-hmm. things like Arkham and Eldritch Horror, which are in the Lovecraft episodes, they can give you a lot of that. But the story is a bit, not haphazard exactly, but it's formed by what you do and it, it doesn't necessarily have a lot of cohesion. Mm-hmm. This is very cohesive. And I think that is, that makes it a very cool thing. Amazing. There's also a game we're going to brush over because neither of us have played it, but A Study in Emerald, um, which is also based in the Lovecraft, but also Neil Gaiman yes. uh, canon, because mm. Neil Gaiman wrote this as a... It was for a short series of short stories that crossed... I think it was called Shadows Over Baker Street, and it crossed Sherlock Holmes and Lovecraft. Oh, amazing. Which is just wonderful. And mm. it's a brilliant story. It's really well told. I know nothing about the game other than I think it's more Euro than thematic. I believe so. It's co-op, isn't it? Am I? I forget. I didn't think so, but I honestly I don't know oh, much about not. it, so I don't want to. I don't want to pin my colours to the mast on that. But mm-hmm. it, I've heard it's very good. But there's an interesting couple of games that we've come across that I uh, have such an interesting genesis because they're not based on books, 
They were written into a book and then became a real board game, <laughs> which is just kind of cool, really. Yeah. And the recent example of that is a game called TAK, T-A-K, which comes from Patrick Rothfuss' series, The Kingkiller Chronicles, more specifically book two, The Wise Man's Fear, which is where they actually play the game. And it's become a real board game now. Yeah, we. Uh, I remember looking at it at one of our guru meetings. It's essentially an abstract strategy game. I'm not a huge fan of abstract, so I didn't take to it, but it's it's uh, it's got some neat elements to it. Mm. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to getting my hands on this mm. one. And one that you mentioned, which I think I haven't played. I forget whether you said you'd played it or not, but that's Thud. No, no, I haven't played Thud either. I, I think it's been out of print for quite some time, so I haven't had a, right. my chance to, a chance to get a copy in front of me. It, again, is also an abstract strategy, so it's right. not really my cup of tea, but... But it's also a game that existed in a book, in this case the Terry Pratchett Discworld universe, mm-hmm. and has since become a full board game, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I believe it's a little abstract game where you have dwarves and uh, ogres or trolls, and the trolls are trying to smash the dwarves, and the dwarves are trying to knock over the... Uh, the trolls. Yeah. So, um, thud. That sounds very <laughs> accurate, yeah. And then one that has I, I've come across recently, and I haven't had a chance to play, I think we just got it in retail at Snakes, which I'm fascinated by the story of, and I think this is really cool, is a game called Illimat. Have you I, seen this one yet? I've seen it in the retail, but I know nothing right. about it. This is spelled I-double-L-I-M-A-T. Uh, and I, I say to people, it looks like Illuminati, but it's Illimat in terms of pronunciation and spelling and how you say it. And I've since mm. discovered that's kind of not far off the mark. This is, uh, it's by Keith Baker, but it's been presented by the Decemberists, the band. Okay. And when they were doing a photo shoot for one of their albums, they thought a cool concept would be to have them looking like they were members of some secret society playing this really sort of, you know, <laughs> um, secretive archaic board game and so they developed this secretive archaic looking board game for the purposes (laughs) of these photo shoots and then about six years later having they were apparently big board gamers and used to play on the road and all this kind of stuff and they had keith baker turn it into a real board game (laughs) that's awesome and now it exists like that's amazing i mean what a fantastic genesis for a board game i've no idea if it's any good Mm-hmm. But I am very keen to get a crack at it. I think I don't know if we'll open a copy, but if not, I may just buy this one to find out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, with that, I think that's all we're going to have time for today. But we're going to come back on Friday where we are going to talk about the Tolkien universe and how that has influenced a string of board games. Huge number. As well as two board games, very briefly, where you write the book yourself. So join us again on Friday and we will see you then. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.